God in unexpected places. This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Here's Jason Elam. Hey everyone, this is Jason. I just want to take a quick minute to give a personal word of thanks to the following people. Bruce Porter, Danielle Nagel, Kimberly Johnson, Josh Lawson, Seth Price, Tiffany Wright, Kyle Butler, Carrie Pruitt, Bo Hoffman, and Angie Hornbuckle. These are our 10 patrons on patreon.com, and I could not do what I do without their support. If you are one of these people, I just want to say a very personal word of thanks to each of you for investing in my creative work. Thank you for helping me produce this podcast. Thank you for giving me time to work on my upcoming book. Thank you for allowing me the time to volunteer at the Hope Center, helping feed our neighbors in need through the no-cost market. All of this is possible only because of your support. Without you, I couldn't do what I do, and I'm so grateful. To those of you who are not yet supporters on Patreon.com, I want to invite you to visit Patreon.com slash Jason Elam Writes. That's Patreon.com slash Jason Elam, W-R-I-T-E-S, You'll find our Patreon page there. It has different levels of support. You can start for as little as $1 a month. We have supporters all the way up to $50 a month, and we are so grateful for each and every one of them. If you'd like to join their ranks, you'll get exclusive early access to each and every episode of this podcast. You'll get a free copy of every book I publish while you're a supporter, and you'll get access to the Patreon-exclusive video series we'll be releasing this month. I'd love to have your support. Again, it's patreon.com slash Jason Elam Writes. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now, on to this week's episode. Hey, everyone, this is Jason. I want to try something a little different with this episode. You're used to me having interviews on each and every episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast, but I've had something on my mind lately that I just wanted to share with you. So I wanted to take one episode to talk about learning to choose love over fear. You know, the scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4, so we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in that love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. The first thing I want to remind you of today, again, none of this may be new to you. I just want to take a moment to remind you of a few things that might make a difference in your day today. Number one, God loves you more than you think. When I started off as a Christian, as I started following Jesus, I was a seven or eight-year-old at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, we had a children's revival. There was a couple named Reverend and Betty Woods. They were the sweetest people you'd ever want to meet. They loved kids. They came and did an event just for the children of our church, and they talked about the gospel. Of course, they mentioned hell and talked about where would you be if you died on your way home from this service tonight. I think that's a terrible form of evangelism, but these were very well-intentioned, wonderful people. I heard that message and fear grabbed a hold of my heart. I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew that sounded excruciating. I knew that sounded like eternal torture, and I didn't want to do it. So I was willing to do whatever they told me to do to avoid the eternal lake of fire. 
And so they said, all I had to do was repeat this prayer and pray after them. And of course I did that. And I thought that's what it meant to become a Christian, buying into fear and then buying the fire insurance policy to keep you out of hell. Well, my story goes like so many of yours. You realize down the road, that's not the real gospel. You realize that maybe you've been following Jesus for all the wrong reasons. You know, when I bought the fire insurance that never taught me who Jesus was. It never taught me who God was. Really, what I learned to understand from that experience was that God was an ogre in the heavens who hated me, who was disgusted by my behavior, and couldn't wait to lower the boom on me. And so I remember as a child, every night, trying to come up with my list of sins that I needed to confess so that I could be forgiven because I was very much into the end times rapture mentality. So I believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. And if I had not confessed every single one of my sins that Jesus came back, I was in trouble. I remember waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night some of the time when I had forgotten to pray before I went to sleep. I got in bed tired and I was a kid, hard days playing outside, big day at Kings Island near Cincinnati, Ohio, the theme park that I loved in the summertime. And I'd just collapse into my bed and I'd forget to pray. Well, I'd wake up hours later panicked. You know, did I miss it? Are my parents still in their beds or did they get raptured while I was sleeping, having not confessed my sin? Do you see the psychological damage that can do? That was the entirety of my faith was avoiding hell. You see, believing in God in order to avoid punishment, that just keeps your behavior good when you're afraid. It's an entirely different thing to live for God out of love than it is to live for God out of fear. But God does love us more than we think he does. See, God is not some eternal judge in the heavens waiting to lower the boom on us. He is a father. I really even hesitate to use the the pronoun he at this point, and I know some of you are going to get irritated with me for saying that, but God does not have sex organs. He's, He's not a male or a female. God is spirit. Those who worship him worship in spirit. You know, in the life of Jesus, he's chosen to reveal himself as father. So that's the terminology I grew up in. That's changing over time. So you'll probably still hear me use that pronoun, but please don't let it distract you. God loves us. He is our creator. God is love incarnate. That's at least the revelation Jesus gives us of God. Love incarnate, the eternal source of love absolutely and completely motivated by love. God's plans for us are rooted in love, not judgment. You know what happened to me after praying that prayer as a child? I got baptized, of course. I started singing in church programs and getting very involved in church. But as accustomed as I was to Christianity and the ways of religion in America, I couldn't walk by a picture of a cross I couldn't walk by a crucifixion scene without terror gripping my heart. What happens if Jesus comes back tonight? He knows who I really am. He knows all of the pain I've caused. He knows every lie I've told. He knows about the time I told all those girls in second or third grade that I was going to get them Cabbage Patch dolls for Christmas. He knows every lie I told, and he's going to punish me. And so my heart was filled with fear. And so if you've ever been there, maybe you're there right now, I just want to remind you right now, God's plans for you are rooted in love, not judgment. When God looks at you, 
God sees a precious child that God loves with an unending love. And God's love for you is not based on your behavior. It's just based on the fact that you belong to God, that you are God's child. You know, there are some texts in the Gospels where Jesus says things like, you are the children of the devil, speaking to the Pharisees who are oppressing and misleading many in God's name. But do you know that after the cross, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, nobody ever refers to any other father for humanity again. The devil, the forces of evil, however you think of that, is a deadbeat dad. So many got abandoned at the cross when Jesus dealt finally with evil once and for all. Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, says, now is the judgment of this world. We're not waiting on judgment in the future. Judgment's already taken place. Jesus says, now, this is 2,000 years ago, will the ruler of this world be cast out? Now, I don't really care what you believe about the devil. The devil is a solved problem that was dealt with on the cross, and it does not pertain to our life today. We are free from fear, and we don't have to worry about those things anymore. But there were a lot of people living under the evil influence that became displaced. They became homeless. They became orphans when the devil was dealt with. This is all my current understanding. It certainly does evolve over time. The good news, what Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I believe every single member of the human family was adopted into the family of God. And so there is no one, no one, no one on earth that is not a part of this family. That means that all of our wars are civil wars. All of our fights are brothers and sisters versus brothers and sisters. It's heartbreaking, but it's true. Maybe if we can start to believe that God really loves us, we can also understand that God loves our neighbor as well. And when we realize that God loves our neighbor, maybe we will too. Not only does God love us more than we think, not only are God's plans for us rooted in love, not judgment, but God leads us through love, not fear. Of course, there's gonna be scary moments in our life when we think we're gonna die. You remember the story in the gospels where Jesus and his closest friends are in a boat and they come upon a storm and the storm is pounding the boat and the boat's taking on water and the disciples feel like they're about to die. And Jesus is asleep. He's at perfect peace in the boat. And they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're dying? Jesus speaks peace to the wind and the waves and the storm immediately ceases. And he looks at his disciples and says, why'd you doubt? Don't you know that I love you? Why did you think you were gonna die? I'm not gonna let that happen. Not today, not in this place. Now, again, Jesus isn't saying nothing bad's ever gonna happen. The reality is some horrible things do happen. And sometimes we wonder, God, why did you let that happen? But you know, he didn't promise us an easy life. He said, in this world, we will have trouble. Following Jesus will lead you to trouble. It will lead you to pain sometimes but he did promise we'd never go through that pain alone. Jesus, yes, he was asleep in the boat, but he was with them in the boat. And he spoke peace to their storm. And he brought that storm to a screeching halt and reminded them 
God is with us even in those terrifying moments of life. Now, it's important to note that some of those same disciples who Jesus seemed to remind that they were not going to die in that moment, later they did die very painful deaths. But you know what? God was with them in that moment as well. First and foremost, we said we need to recognize that God loves us more than we think. He does. Secondly, recognize that God's love is not exclusive. We love because he first loved us, 1 John says. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. Those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him, that's from Jesus, is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Paul in one of the epistles, I believe it's Ephesians, says that God is the father of all. Again, there's not one member of the human family that that does not include. And so we love them because God first loved us, according to 1 John chapter 4. Every member of the human family is our brother or sister, trying to categorize any, anybody based on their nationality or even their religion as something other than a brother or sister, rejects the all-inclusive nature of the gospel. Fear will have us seeing enemies where only brothers and sisters exist. You know, once you start to really believe that God loves you, you start to believe that God loves everybody the same way. You read in the scriptures again that God is the father of all. That makes us all family regardless of nationality or religion. Once we recognize that we're all brothers and sisters, then we see we are all on the same side. Every disagreement becomes a family squabble rather than an endless war. And this is when we start to realize what I said earlier. Every war is a civil war, and we start looking for alternatives to war. Philip Yancey, in one of his books, I believe it's What's So Amazing About Grace, but I may be wrong, tells the story of a German soldier and an American soldier during World War II. The German soldier's wounded. He's been left on the battlefield to die. He is a Christian, and so he takes communion before he dies. And he takes the wafer or the bread, and he takes the juice, and he takes that out, and he's preparing himself for communion. The American soldier stumbles upon him. They're both Christians, so they decide to share this meal. And they take communion together. They pray together. They read scripture together. And then the American soldier pulls out a weapon and kills the German soldier. I don't know if that impacts you the way it does me, but it really brings tears to my eyes. Why do we let nationality blind us to the brotherhood that we enjoy in Christ? Why do we exclude people from the table with this all-inclusive gospel that has been given to bring us together? We have a ministry of reconciliation, Scripture teaches, not of separation. Why would we allow a flag or a border to determine our brotherhood? Why do we allow those things to determine our allegiance or our loyalty when we have all been invited to the table of Jesus to find brotherhood and sisterhood with everyone around the world, taking out a pistol and blowing away a member of the family because of which flag they're fighting under? is a horrific sin. Jesus calls us to more. Jesus calls us to love. Jesus calls us to live out of love and not fear. After we recognize that God loves us more than we think, after we recognize he loves our neighbor 
more than we think, including the Muslims, including the uh, immigrant at the border, uh, including everyone under every flag around the world, the same way he loves us. We must start making informed choices based on what love would do. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, and everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the entirety of the law and the prophets. Then he says something that we've never connected to that previous verse. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few that find it. See, living out of fear is easy. I'm convinced today, as I sit here recording this message for you on the podcast, that the road to destruction that is wide, that is so often traveled, that is fear. It just seems to come more naturally to us. Living out of love is a challenge that will take God's spirit to accomplish. When we live out of fear, we are easily drawn into hate, into racism, into classism, and war. And when we live out of love, we are drawn to peace and unity and brother and sisterhood. We're not drawn to a flag. We're not drawn to our borders. We're drawn to the table of Jesus where all mankind, all humanity is equal. When we live out of love, we will look for ways to bring people together and stop living in the chains of fear. We will stop seeing enemies everywhere. We'll start looking for common ground. See, fear will have us seeing enemies where we should be seeing brothers and sisters. The people Jesus was speaking to did not live a sheltered, protected life. These were Jews who were living under Roman occupation. There were soldiers with weapons on every street corner governing even the most insignificant of their activities. There were whispers of rebellion. There were whispers of campaigns to drive the Romans out of Jerusalem. They'd been talking about it for years, ever since the Romans first occupied Jerusalem, how they were gonna drive them out by any means necessary. And Jesus came into that culture speaking a word of love for enemies and a word of peace. He told them that if someone slapped them across the face to turn the other cheek, and let them slap the other. He said, if a Roman soldier forces you to carry his weapons bag one mile, you should carry it two miles. He challenged the very notion of rebellion by force, rebellion with violence. He unseated fear by preaching a gospel of love. Now listen, the broad way, the way of fear that leads to violence, that leads to hatred, that leads to war, that leads to destruction. That's the path that Israel was on when Jesus came. And he taught them a narrow way, a less traveled road, the way of love. Why? Because those Jewish people whom God loves were headed for destruction because you don't pick on the most powerful empire in the world. You don't pick a fight with the most powerful empire in the history of the world at that time and live through it. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD. You know, Jesus said, when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, flee to the mountains, get away, be rescued from the wrath to come. Why? Because they were picking a fight with the most powerful empire in the world and there was going to be hell to pay. That's the hell Jesus is speaking of. 
It was Gehenna. It was the place they took the dead bodies to be burned outside of Jerusalem. Jesus, when he talked about the fire that never quit, he wasn't talking about an eternal torture chamber that God was going to ignite and send all of us rebellious sinners who didn't pray the sinner's prayer. That's not what Jesus says at all. He's saying, if you pick a fight with this empire, you're going to die and your body is going to be taken to the garbage dump where the fire won't go out for days and days and days because there are so many bodies to be burned. But do you know what the followers of Jesus did who took his word seriously? When they saw that beginning to take place, they fled to the mountains and they were saved. See, we so often don't even realize what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about people being saved. It wasn't about where you go when you die. It wasn't about getting your act together and praying the sinner's prayer so you can have a mansion in the sky after your life is over. It was about being saved from the ways of, of destruction, about being saved from the, the culmination of violence. It was about choosing a different path. It's about following Jesus to peace with our brothers, with our sisters. It's about coming to the table of Jesus where everyone is welcome, where those who are oppressed are welcome, where even the oppressor is welcome, where the Christian is welcome, where the Jew is welcome, where the Muslim is welcome, where the atheist is welcome, to come to the table and find sustenance and the way of peace. I'm not saying, again, terrible things won't happen when you're following Jesus. I'm not saying that some members of the human family won't make terrible choices and do terrible things. Yes, Jesus uh, included even Adolf Hitler in his gospel. But you know one thing about Hitler that I want us to think about for a moment. Adolf Hitler, little Adolf, when he was born, he was not born wanting to burn millions of people alive. Hitler became what he became due to massive mental health issues, empowered by a society ruled by fear of the other. The culture in Germany was terrified that Others were coming in and changing the culture of their day, and they wanted to stop that by any means necessary. They wanted to make Germany great again. They saw the culture they loved slipping away, and they wanted to stop it by any means necessary. When we live by fear, we create these monsters to guard against all the things we're afraid of losing. And those monsters always lead us to destruction. But there's another path. It's a narrow path. It's not the road well-traveled. Many people don't even know it exists. Some do know, and they laugh at anyone who would even think of going down the narrow road of love that extends to even our enemies. What I'm saying is we can start today living out of love rather than fear. We can start raising our children and our grandchildren out of love rather than fear. Paul Bain said, if punishment is my motivation, I may change my behavior for a moment. But if love is the motivation, I may change it forever. You know, I remember learning as a child that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, and that's scripture. I think we missed the meaning. Uh, my friend Andrew Park says, yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's just the beginning. There is an awe and a reverence of God. When you recognize God exists, that God is there, that there is a higher supreme power 
at work in the universe. It is natural to feel a sense of reverence and awe, but that is just the beginning of wisdom. First John says the perfection is love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. If you're afraid that God's going to send you to an eternal pit, that's going to have you living your life out of fear. I want you to be encouraged today. If that is the fear that has gripped your life, if that fear has gripped your Christian walk, be at peace today. That is not the gospel. That is not who Jesus is. And so that is not who God is. God is like Jesus, as Brian Zahn says, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time God wasn't like Jesus. We didn't always know this, but now we do. Can you imagine Jesus joyfully throwing people into a pit and igniting them for all eternity? Of course not. We can't see Jesus doing that. But religion has us seeing our loving Father God, our Creator, throwing His children into a pit to burn for all eternity because they refuse to pray a prayer. Are you kidding me? That is not the God who is love. Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because it has, fear has to do with punishment. God isn't waiting to lower the boom. God wants to love us. He wants to love us. So what do we do? Number one, we remind ourselves every day that God loves us more than we think. Maybe we just need to pray this prayer. God, remind me of your love today. Maybe we, remind, we remember to pray that prayer every day. You know, when Jesus started his ministry at the Jordan River, he'd never done any miracle. He'd never done anything spectacular. Certainly hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't done any of the spectacular things we remember Jesus for at that point. All he did was show up, got baptized. He presented himself for ministry presented himself to be identified with the Father's love. And as he's coming up out of the water, this dove descends. We hear this voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you've never heard God say that to you, I want to urge you, as soon as this podcast ends, find a quiet minute and just ask God, to speak those words to your heart and let that love, let that approval that is not based on your behavior, that is not based on a prayer you prayed, it's based solely on the fact that you are God's beloved child. Let that become your new identity. If you've been ruled by fear, fear of punishment, fear of the other, fear of the unknown, fear of God, if you've been ruled by those things, have that quiet moment and let God speak to your heart you are the beloved son, daughter of God, in whom God is well-pleased. And let that be the defining focus of your life. Remind yourself every day that God loves you. Better yet, let God remind you every day. Make room in your life every day for that still small voice to remind you how much God loves you. Also, let God remind you every day how much God loves our family, our friends, our neighbors, even the annoying ones, our co-workers, even that one that you have up until now despised or the one who has despised you, our government officials, yes, all of them, both sides, and even our enemies, even those who bring fear to our hearts. God loves them as well as God loves us. 
Thirdly, consciously evaluate our motivations for the decisions we make. Stop and think, am I doing this out of fear or am I doing this out of love before you act? I know it it sounds crazy. When I was growing up, the, the pop culture nutshell motto was you get your pizza from Domino's in 30 minutes or less or it's free. You know what? Culture sped up a lot since then. It, I thought it was in right now culture way back when, you know, you get your pizza in 30 minutes or it was free. But now we have Google. We can find any bit of information on the earth in a millisecond. Uh, it just depends on your internet speed and your cell phone reception. Uh, we live in an instantaneous culture, and it's so hard sometimes to slow down long enough to stop and think through the ramifications of our action, the motivation of our actions. So I just want to encourage you to stop before you do those, uh, those reactive behaviors and say, am I doing this out of fear or am I doing this out of love? Does this treat the other that I'm responding to like they are included in the table of Christ? Does this treat the other like a brother or sister or does it treat them like an enemy? Am I loving my enemy in this action? Am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? Fourth and finally, we've got to stop allowing ourselves to be motivated by fear manipulated by fear into doing that which feels safe in the moment, but ultimately leads to destruction. I want to leave you with this. Never underestimate the power of loving everyone and fearing nothing. It will change your life. You know, um, Richard Rohr said something that really impacted me. I don't know when he said it. I just saw it shared on Facebook, but this really impacted me deeply, and I think it will you as well when you don't have to either be a victim or create a victim, then you'll know that you're free. I'm going to say that one more time. When you don't have to either be a victim or create a victim, then you'll know you're really free. Richard Rohr. Listen, fear will have you being a victim or creating victims every day of your life. There is no freedom for you in fear. There is freedom in love, in the way of peace, in the way of Jesus. And that means everybody's our brother and sister, even those who would be our enemy. And even when somebody reacts badly to us, we don't have to react badly to them because we serve one who leads us out of love and not fear. I wanna encourage you, today, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this podcast, to choose love over fear. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. It's a roundtable discussion. We'll get back to an interview format after that. I hope you will join me for future episodes. But I just had to say today, it's time for the people of God to choose love over fear. Thank you for listening. God bless you. You've been listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and visit us online at MessySpirituality.org. You can help spread the word about the podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and sharing links to each episode on your social media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.